Where are our coffee drinkers? What about our too busy in the morning, need to pack everything you can into the one beverage you get people? Mornings are hectic. If I have to choose between my coffee and a breakfast item, coffee wins every time. This is why Laird Superfoods was so appealing to me. I wanted to be able to add superfoods into something that I was already consuming because like I said, with three kids, my mornings are the most chaotic part of my day. But honestly, other than the caffeine aspect, my coffee was pretty much empty calories once my creamer was added. And that sugar crash I get is never my favorite part of the day. If you want more from your coffee, Laird Superfood is for you. They have better ingredients, amazing taste, and functional benefits that are crafted from the highest quality of all natural, real food ingredients. They contain naturally occurring MCTs from coconut oil. It's shelf-stable. There are no artificial flavors, colors, or additives, and there is no sugar from highly refined corn syrup. 2023 is all about trying new things, and Laird Superfood has functional superfood creamers, instant lattes, and prebiotic greens, as well as a variety of snacks, baking mixes, and protein options full of wholesome, plant-based ingredients to keep you charged for wherever life takes you. Are you ready to feel more energized, focused, and supported? Go to LairdSuperfood.com and add nourishing, plant-based foods to fuel you from sunrise to sunset. Use our promo code GRUESOME at checkout to save 15% off of your purchase today. Welcome to Gruesome your horrific true crime podcast. I am Connie and along with Disney princess lookalike winner Meg and tonight she's gonna tell us about Zeb Wayne Quinn. If you look up the disappearance of Zeb Wayne Quinn you will be redirected to a page titled the murder of Zeb Quinn because this was a cold case for a very long time and it was only recently solved and it was only recently brought to a close, uh, like as of last year. Zeb Wayne Quinn was born on May 12, 1981 in Asheville, North Carolina. He was described as a shy kid who had trouble focusing in school. While at Roberson High School, he joined the ROTC program. His mom said that outside of school and ROTC, he spent most of his time at home. His senior year, intending to pay his way through college after graduation, he got a job at Walmart. He was reliable. He never called in sick or called in at all. He's and like the he exact been- opposite of me as an employee. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was always there. He was always on time. Um, and he was only a, a part-time employee, but he found himself putting in a lot of hours, especially for a young kid in school. After he graduated in 1999, he was working in the electronics department, picking up extra ships whenever he was able to, and he enrolled at the Asheville Buncombe Technical Community College. In addition to paying his way through school, Zeb was saving his money for a new car. He had a Mazda Protégé, and he wanted to trade it in for a Mitsubishi Eclipse. Oh, I remember those. Which is peak, peak 2000. Oh, yeah. Uh, When he was ready, he was talking to people. He's like, where can I find this exact, you know, model of Eclipse that I want? And he ran into 
a guy named Jason Owens. Jason, whose name is actually Robert, but he goes by Jason, offered to help Zeb. He knew of a dealership in, can you help me with this? Is it Leicester or Leicester, North Carolina? It's like L-E-I-C-E-S-T-E-R. I thought maybe you would know. I would say Leicester, but I'm going to say no matter what you say, someone's going to correct us. So just carry on. (laughs) I was like, she knows the southern name pronunciation. So I'm going to go with Leicester. That's how I run it. And that's how it seems. But we'll see. At 9 p.m. on January 2nd, Zeb's co-workers saw Zeb and Jason talking before they both drove off separately. His co-workers were aware of his plan to go check out a new car. The two men drove down the road to a convenience store where there's footage shown of them grabbing sodas around 9.15. Denise, his mom, said that Zeb was always quick to call if she paged him. She had paged him after his shift that evening, but he hadn't responded. And after an hour, Denise paged him again. He hadn't told her that he was going to be home extra late, so she was worried. But... She fell asleep, waiting for him to turn up. At 3 a.m., she woke up and found that Zeb still hadn't returned, so she paged him again. Now, he's an adult. Like, yes, he's a teenager, but he's still technically an adult, and a young adult staying out late with friends is nothing out of the ordinary. But it fell out of the ordinary to Denise, because that wasn't Mm -hmm. how Zeb normally behaved. And you trust that mom instinct. You know. I, I don't know... You just know if something's not right. Yeah, you know your kid and what they have done and always done. Mm -hmm. And if something is in not in the ordinary for their usual routine, you're like, oh, no, nope, that's not that's not normal. Mm -hmm. Something's amiss here. That's what I always hate when people like moms try to make missing persons reports or like parents try to make missing persons report. And they're like, oh, they they probably just ran off. And they're like, no. I know they did not run off. And that is exactly what happened. She woke up and went to work the next day on January 3rd. But the afternoon after she got off, she got a call from a Walmart associate telling her that Zeb had not shown up for his shift. And she began to panic. She was absolutely certain something was wrong. So she started calling everyone she could think of. No one had seen him. When she returned home from work, Zeb still wasn't home. So she went to the Asheville Police Department the next day on January 4th, and they tried to calm her down. They were like, you know, he probably just decided to leave town. But she was like, he didn't take anything. He didn't tell anyone. He didn't show up to his job that he doesn't ever miss. I am not convinced that he just Mm -hmm. was like, I'm out of here. Two days after Zeb's disappearance, the electronics department at Walmart received a phone call at 2 p.m. The manager answered. And the person on the other line said, hi, this is Zeb. I won't be in today. And his manager, Patty, knew immediately that it was not Zeb. But she listened. She let the man on the other line go on about how how he was sick and how he wouldn't be able to come to work for a few days. But what that guy didn't anticipate was that Zeb was one of Patty's favorite employees. So, of course, that she recognized that that voice didn't belong to him. And she was aware that his mother had filed a missing persons report. So while he was talking to her, she was telling the associates around her, this guy's saying he's Zeb, but it's not Zeb. And when they hung up, 
Patty immediately star 69 the number she had been speaking to. That which girl, is Patty. I know. I and, love and that's this. also peak 2000s. It really is. And if you don't know, you can star 69. It automatically dials your last incoming call. And that's if you answered it, if you didn't answer it, if it was busy, you can just star 69 and it would call them back. So Patty star 69. And on the other line, she heard Volvo construction equipment. How may I help you? And then Patty called the police. So shout out to Patty who made every single right move. Yeah, that's awesome. Jason Owens worked at Volvo Construction Equipment. Oh, that's not sus at all. (laughs) No. And it didn't take very long for police to be like, oh, you were the last person seen with Zeb. Jason confirmed what they already knew. They had met in the parking lot, left, driving separate cars. They were supposed to drive to a dealer, look at a Mitsubishi Eclipse. Jason said that as they drove down Highway 25, they had passed a sit-go station, and Zeb had flashed his lights at Jason. They both pulled over to the side of the road. Zeb had walked up and told Jason that he had just gotten an urgent page, and he needed to return, and he needed to go somewhere and return the call. So they were going to go back to the sit-go so that he could use the payphone, and that's what they did. They turned around, and they went back to the gas station. Jason said that after Zeb made this phone call, He came out of the booth and seemed panicked. He got into his car and just whipped it out of the parking lot, rear-ending Jason in the process. But he didn't stop. He didn't explain what was going on. He just whipped it out and drove off. Investigators were like, well, why didn't you report the accident? He hit your car and you're not going to file a report. But he said that he was going to see Zeb later and he just figured that the two of them would work it out then. They were skeptical, but there wasn't any evidence to suggest that this did not but why did jason call walmart pretending to be zeb yeah exactly that was my next question he told police that zeb had asked him to he couldn't remember what time in the morning it had been but he had called him and said hey can you call in to work for me so he did and again police were skeptical so they dug into zeb's pager records and began to take a closer look at jason himself and this is where it gets a little confusing. On January 3rd, 2000, at 9.40 a.m., while Zeb's mother was still worrying about where he could possibly be, Jason Owens checked himself into the hospital with injuries he claimed were sustained during a car accident. He had a fractured rib and a head injury. He had told the physician on duty that he had been in an accident that morning while driving. But those injuries didn't align with the story about Zeb rear-ending him. And the damage on Jason's car didn't even look like he had been rear-ended. So they interviewed him again, and he became incredibly uncooperative. He said his injuries were sustained in a second accident on the same day, not the one where Zeb had hit him and drove away. But there was no accident report filed, so nothing could be verified. And they began looking at alternate suspects. Zeb's mom was a nurse at St. Joseph's Hospital, but she was also a waitress at her fiance's diner, Costa's Kitchen. One of the other waitresses had a daughter around Zeb's age, and the two had hit it off. He was interested in Misty Taylor, and the two of them spoke frequently. They would go to the mall or get food, and it seemed like Zeb wanted a relationship with Misty, but she had an on-again, off-again boyfriend who was allegedly violent with her, and they had a baby. Once, when calling Misty, her boyfriend Wesley had answered the phone and gave Zeb a sternly worded message to stay away from her. 
and Misty stopped talking to him toward the end of 1999, but he persisted, and on the morning of January 2nd, he had been with his grandmother when he had decided to call Misty again. His grandmother said that he had hung up quickly on just said, well, he's back, indicating that Misty and Wesley had been apart, but were now back together again. And he hadn't hidden his number when he called her, so he thought maybe Wesley might retaliate against Zeb for continuing to talk to Misty. So investigators went to talk to the couple, and they said that we were having dinner with Misty's parents and a woman named Ina Eustick on the night of Zeb's disappearance. Misty's parents corroborated their alibi, but there was this lingering idea of maybe her parents are just covering for them and they really are responsible mm-hmm. for Zeb's death. The woman who had been at dinner with them and Misty's parents, Ina, was actually Zeb's aunt on his father's side. Jason's story claimed that Zeb had received an urgent page on the night of January 2nd. And when they reviewed those records, they found that he had gotten a page at nearly 10 o'clock that night. And that page was traced back to Ina Eustick's phone. Denise said that Zeb and Ina had minimal contact and it was very strange that she would be trying to contact him at all, let alone at 10 o'clock at night. So then they pivot. They're like, oh, well, this is they turn their attention to Ina. And she was like, I did not call Zeb's pager. I was having dinner with the Taylors and Wesley at the time that this call was even made. She was like, there's no way I could be in two places at once because it was from her her landline, her house number. And she was like, I have nothing to do with my nephew's disappearance. After she was questioned, Ina placed a police report. And that report stated that after returning home from dinner that night, she found that her home had been burglarized. Nothing had been taken and only picture frames had been moved. So she gets questioned and she's like, you know what? My house was broken into. So I'm going to go file this report. And if you're doing the squinty, that's suspicious Mm -hmm. eyes, you're not alone because I am like that. And so were the police. But again, there was no evidence. They accepted her story. And the community at large at this time was also incredibly suspicious of her and rumors swirled. And it eventually drove Ina to move out of the state. Two weeks went by without any new leads, no updates. But on January 16th, 2000, one of the nurses that Denise worked with called her. She couldn't be sure, but she thought she had seen Zeb's Mazda protege in the parking lot of a barbecue restaurant. And Denise rushed to the parking lot and found his vehicle with the matching license plate at the scene. She called police, and when they responded, they found a strange new list of evidence. It was Zeb's vehicle, and on the back window, drawn in what appeared to be lipstick, was the outline of a pair of lips with exclamation points on both sides. The windows had been cracked because inside the car was a lab mix puppy. The driver's seat had been pulled forward. One of the seats had a blank hotel key card that couldn't be traced back to a specific hotel. The car was full of empty bottles. There was a jacket belonging to someone that was not Zeb. They had no idea what any of this stuff meant, but they found the car, which seemed like a step in the right direction. But all of that evidence was not helpful at all. And no one knew what to make of this puppy. Obviously, they cracked the windows. They wanted it to live. 
but they couldn't find where it came from despite weeks of searching. One of the investigators on the case actually adopted the dog and then gave a DNA sample from the dog just in case it might ever become of use. And the case went cold after that. So you have several very suspicious suspects. You have these very strange evidence. This sounds like a like to hunt a killer or one of those killer <laughs> board games. Like all the random scenarios, the random people, the random little bits of evidence. This sounds like a board game. You have to find the string that connects them all. And that's the thing. They were pulling on those strings. They were pulling and all of them just led to a dead end. And that the case went cold because of it. And tips continued to pour in throughout the years. In 2009, a call came and they said that they saw a blonde woman matching Missy Taylor's description driving the car before it was discovered in the parking lot of the barbecue restaurant. It was at this time that investigators revealed that when they had found his car, they had taken hair, fingerprint, and saliva samples from an unidentified woman connected to Zeb's car and that this woman was not Misty Taylor, and they would not be releasing her identity either. So, cold again, until 2015. On March 15, 2015, the Buncombe County Sheriff's Office in Western North Carolina received a call requesting a welfare check for Christy Skoll and J.T. Codd. The couple, who was five months pregnant with their first daughter, had not shown up to a recent family get-together, and no one had been able to get a hold of them. Police found no one at the couple's shared home, but they noted that some of their belongings did appear to be missing. Robert Jason Owens had been working as a handyman for Christy and JT and Mm. happened to live nearby their home. So weird. So weird. Mm. Five days later, on March 20th, the fire department was called after a double-wide trailer on Jason's property was burned to the ground. Buncombe investigators were able to obtain a search warrant for Jason's property. And as the investigation began to unfold, Jason's wife told police that he had told her that he accidentally ran both JT and Christy over while he was driving their truck. Bone fragments were discovered in what had been a wood stove in the trailer that had been burned to the ground. And Jason confessed to the murder of JT, Christy, and their unborn daughter, Skylar. Mm. He claimed that he had accidentally backed them over in their truck, but he panicked because he had prior arrest records and he felt like he wouldn't be able to convince police that this had been an accident. So instead, Jason dismembered JT and then burned his body away in the wood stove of the trailer. He then dismembered a pregnant Christy before also burning her and her unborn child's body away. Jason then went to the couple's home and stole jewelry, a laptop, and a handgun. He had dumped some of the couple's items, including their identification, into a restaurant dumpster, and they were later recovered. I don't know how you're going to be like, oh, I accidentally... Vehicular manslaughter is horrible. Like, I'm not going to... Like, this is vehicular manslaughter. But this first-degree murder is way better. Second degree murder, if they're trying to say there was no, you know, like intent to just. Uh, yeah, which is because you're like, oh, yeah, I accidentally ran them over. So then I dismembered them and burned their bodies and then and stole how, all their shit. How fast were you going? Yeah, he said he so, backed them up into a ditch. And like that, how big is it? That deep's in the ditch. Like, like a clip. <laughs> 
Right. Because they're, I'm not saying it's, I'm not saying they wouldn't have been severely injured. I'm just saying that this statistically speaking, the likelihood of him just casually backing over them and them not surviving is slim or one of them would survive, you know, like, yeah, you're not going to take them both out with an accidental. Oops. So the investigation of Jason Owens was dominating the local media. And at this time, police received a call from someone who said that they were close to him. Jason's friend said that before Zeb Quinn had disappeared, Jason had put a pit on his property and he would, it was like a burn pit. He would put things in and burn them. But shortly after Zeb was reported missing, he had covered that pit with concrete and not like completely he had just poured concrete into the bottom of the pit and said oh i'm gonna turn it into a fish pond and the area was roughly like eight by eight feet it was pretty far from his house it wasn't a location that you might look at and be like oh that would make a great fish pond later Mm -hmm. jason just poured dirt on the rest of the hole that was partially filled with concrete and just abandoned the project altogether by the end of March 2015. That's not suspect at all. <laughs> no, not weird. And it, like cool for calling this tip in, but don't you think that tip would have been great 15 years before? Right. When that this was also like going around like, hey, we're trying to find out what's going on. You just were like, no, I'll just keep that to myself. That's just a coincidence. So I keep that in my pocket. Yeah. So by the end of March, they had dug up that area that they had been tipped about and they uncovered fabric, leather, fragments, and an unknown powdery white substance. Another area um, on the property was probed and a bunch of plastic bags with like pulverized lime and powdered water mix were found. Um, As you probably know, Gruesome uses Zencaster to record, produce, and analyze all on one podcast platform. If investing is something that you're interested in, you'll be excited to learn that Zencaster has recently opened a funding round, allowing listeners like you to own a stake in the company. More than 30,000 passionate creators actively use Zencaster, and it has become the preferred platform for creators to create, grow, and monetize their podcast. Podcasting advertising was the fastest growing marketing channel in 2021. If you're interested in investing in Zencaster, go to wefunder.com slash Zencaster or click the link in our episode description below to claim your slice of the future of podcasting. But in the case of JT Christie, an unborn Skyler, Jason was charged with first degree murder, breaking and entering, larceny after breaking and entering, and murder of an unborn child. He pleaded guilty and was sentenced to 60 to 75 years in prison. Uh, He has never revealed his motive for this. And on July 10th, 2017, while serving that sentence, Robert Jason Owens was indicted for the first degree murder of Zeb Wayne Quinn. And because it was, (laughs) you know, personnel changes, COVID, all the things, That trial didn't happen for Zeb until July 25th of last year, of 2022. And during that, Owens pleaded to a lesser charge of accessory after the fact to first-degree murder. Here's why. His attorneys for him said that Walter Gene Owens, his uncle, Jason's uncle, 
who had died in 2017. He said this was who murdered Zeb Quinn. Oh, that's convenient. So convenient that your dead uncle was the person who did this. Owen said that Gene had been hired by Wesley, Misty Taylor's boyfriend, and he claims that he and Zeb were unknowingly lured to meet who they thought was Misty in the Pisgah National Forest. But instead of Misty, Gene was there and murdered Quinn, shooting him with a 22 caliber rifle. He alleged that he helped Gene Owens dismember and cover up the murder of Zeb. And he was sentenced to 12 and a half to 15 and a half years in prison to be served concurrently with his like current life sentence. That's bullshit. It's super bullshit. Um, but because he was already pretty much serving life, the DA was like, we just wanted to be able to legally establish that Zeb was murdered and that could be closed for that reason. So, so he, go ahead. Uh, I, This is too much. Like, I don't understand how Misty is involved with the Taylors. And so Misty Taylor is the daughter and yeah, I get that. Her parents are the Taylors, and then her boyfriend, who is allegedly abusive. Where the hell did well, the quite aunt frankly, come from? Yeah, she was just having dinner with the Taylors, and then and that's why so many rumors were swirling. Like, well, why would they have just done that? But then, did Jason break into their house and just call his pager? But investigators don't think that Zeb was actually murdered until January eighth, and they don't ever give a reasoning for that. But they think that there was some time in between his initial capture and his actual murder which i don't like i'm not an expert obviously so but i don't think i agree with that i don't it just doesn't like what would they do with him almost a week it makes me like i would say no if he had those injuries that shows me that zeb fought and he went to the hospital because he fought so hard and then I'm kind of wondering if someone just found his car, like with the keys in it, and just was like, "Oh, I'm taking Joy his ride. car." Yeah, yeah, and like that's why the puppy was in it, and that's why they didn't reveal who they had found because it wasn't relevant to the case. It was just someone who had found essentially a free car and left their puppy in it. <laughs> uh, it was. Uh, it's definitely a wild ride. I don't. <laughs> do I think that? Jason Owens' dead uncle is responsible? No. No, but especially when he cold, he murdered uh, a, a pregnant wife and her husband. Yeah, again, on just like his, his quote-unquote accident. Like, you're a serial killer, dude. He keeps saying, like, oh, yeah, accidentally, we this just happened. Like, you're finding yourself in a lot of incidents where you are accidentally responsible for murder. Yeah, that's not how murder works. That's just not how it works. <laughs> That's not how murder works. We we've been doing this a while, and uh, this is, I would consider my myself professional an expert. opinion. My professional opinion is this was no accident. And how awful for Zeb's mom, who like worked with the mom of the like, say the girl. I don't know. I don't know if Misty and Wesley had anything to do with it. I don't think they did. Honestly, I, I think, think that it just was easy, just yeah. Yeah, I think that was probably there was some drama going on there, obviously. Yeah, maybe like I'm going to punch you in the face, but not like I'm going to kill you because you. But quite called. frankly, if you're calling my significant other well, and like talking to them and we're on again, off again and we're on again and you're still calling like 
I might be inclined to be like, hey, stop talking to her or stop talking Mm -hmm. to him because we're not doing this anymore. But then he continued to try to call her and he would like uh, star 67 and hide his number. That's what star 67 is, right? Where you like Mm -hmm. hide the number before you call and just to talk to her. Well, I'm going to give a firm. She she had to have been alluding to something for him to continue to call. Like he seemed like he had a pretty solid head on his shoulders to not yeah, like no, he obviously wanted something more to happen there. But again, a very dramatic situation to be happening at the time when you go missing. Well, I'm meaning like in my experience, and unfortunately I have significant experience in this. The other person, so in this case, Zeb is going to keep calling if the other person involved, in this case, Misty, is giving him a reason to call, like giving him hope that there's a future. Or oh, giving yeah, him yeah, hope. yeah. Well, I don't doubt that that was what was happening at all. But in in, in regard to the murder, yeah, I think that no, that was just like an inconvenient time for both of those things to be going on. I wonder if he tried to rob him. He tried to rob, like he tried to Zeb. rob Zeb. yeah. Like maybe because he went through this elaborate, or like this elaborate. I'm taking you to see this eclipse. Blah 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 blah. That's really random, and he's never said anything about it at all, other than his obviously made up story. (laughs) Yeah, his uh, his dead uncle was responsible. Nope, he never revealed a motive. And honestly, I didn't really look into his other because he was with JT and Christy. He was like, oh, I have an arrest records i would not be surprised to see that those were like burglary or theft or yeah like theft motivated murders i hate that for zeb because he really had his whole life going for him he was really doing doing the the most and his mom side fact christy was a contestant on the eighth season of food network star as well on the food network oh i think i heard about that it was just 2015, which seems like last year, I but I understand like that it was. I feel like 10 I've years read ago. about that. Man, that's awful. Yeah, I read about that one first, and then I was like, "Oh wait, there's more." I think anyone who kills a pregnant girl should just automatically be shot in the face, but that's just me. 100. percent Yeah, not on the list of crimes that are not cool. Top of the list. Mm-hmm. Top of the list. What it goes children and then pregnant women. Like, yeah. what the fuck, man? Ugh, yeah, what a creep. And so for him to sucks. go in there and, like, burglarize their home afterwards. Oh, You see it all the time. And it never gets, like, it's always just, like, ugh, cringe. I think what so makes cringe. me extra nauseous about this case is I am watching, spoiler alert, the season, the season four of You, mm-hmm. and a dismemberment takes place in the season. So I'm, like, thinking about that as you're saying this case, and I'm like, oh, I just watched that, and it's horrific. Dismemberment is so messed up. Just the idea, like, I can barely bite into my lip extra hard without feeling like every fiber of my being, like, cringe away, like, ew, ew, eh, ew. And, like, the idea that people can just, I don't know, cut through a body. Yeah. Yuck. Mm. And, like, also shitty friend for now. If you randomly had this pit in your yard and then all of a sudden you covered it and then, like, at the same time there was a girl missing... A girl that you knew and, like, had connections to. I would most definitely make a phone call about you. And I love you. Like, my own. (laughs) Well, you're talking about me specifically. 
Yeah, you specifically. Like if, if you it's like gardening season and I've tilled my garden up and I'm like, you know what? I don't really want to garden this year. But at the same time, our mutual I'm gonna put friend a cement patio here instead. Yeah. yeah. No, I would call the police. I'd be like, look, you need to check into this bitch. <laughs> I don't even know her that well. I've barely talked to her. <laughs> I barely talked to her. I really don't know anything about her life. I don't know anything about her. This hobbies just seems sketchy or- for me. She just used to talk about how she liked gardening, and then she was like, well, of course, she's going to put a concrete patio over this, and her friend and just disappeared. And this other girl is missing, so also. Sketchy. Sounds sketchy to me. Yeah, that's a 10 out of 10 on the sketch factor. <laughs> and wait, 15 years to be like, actually, you know what? This I remember this happening. I remember the pit, and I. Well, so weird. I should maybe make a, you you know, let's give them the benefit of the doubt and just be like, at least they called. Yeah. They could have just kept that in forever. It's weird to me, though. And like the only part where I'm like, Misty, is that you? Like, what's going on? Is the the page from the aunt's house. I know. It's so weird. And that's part of why I was like, did he go break into the aunt's house? Did they, did, were they in on it? Was the boyfriend like, hey, take care of this guy for me? Mm-hmm. Maybe it was Maybe. like, teach him a lesson, but he meant like a fist fight, not like a full-on murder. Mm-hmm. I take a ton of notes. I am a writer, a student, a habitual list maker, and even though I love paper, I do feel bad about the number of notebooks that I buy and then don't fill up before I buy another one. I made a mini goal this year to waste less paper, and Paperlike has really made that easier for me. Paperlike is perfect for anyone who writes or draws with an iPad and an Apple Pencil. The surface of the Paperlike is coated using nanodots, which are tiny microbeads that are designed to add superior stroke precision when you drag the Apple Pencil across the screen. Every Paperlike comes in a set of two, so you'll always have a spare, just in case. I love that I'm wasting less paper, but I still get to feel like I'm writing on paper. To pick up your Paperlike, head over to paperlike.com gruesome, click buy Paperlike, and then select your iPad size. Ready to do more with your iPad? Head over to paperlike.com gruesome to get started. Dude, this guy sucks. And also, yeah. like, it's just the whole, it's a little weird to be like the, the ants page is what really the page from the ants house is where I, the only part where I'm like how how it's definitely a blast from the past case talking about a pagers pagers star sixty nine uh, calling like work called your mom to be like hey have you seen they didn't show up for their shift I also don't understand how they're like oh there wasn't that much there was no evidence but like there's quite a bit of it there's, there's just not old anyone yeah. But good on Patty, though. Yeah, Patty is the hero of this story, honestly. I love her. Uh, if I got, if I if I did that, like if I just decided to have someone else call in for me, one, it's I just teams message my boss, like if I don't need to come in. But I don't think it would be my like, because like when you work for the government, you have like leads who are like directly above you. And then you have your like supervisor who is like the supervisor of the team. Um, So I let my lead and my supervisor know if I'm not going to be in. And usually they're really chill, but um, my lead, his wife, runs this, like, thrift. She does, like, Instagram lives and stuff where she sells the things that she thrifts. Uh, I'm going to give her a plug. Her you, uh, borderline treasures. I buy a bunch of shit from there all the time. I think she would be the person. She would be. 
Hey, can you tell my boss I'm not going to be there today? <laughs> well, she would be the one to be like, something's wrong. Connie's not been active. She hasn't bought anything. Like, she... She yeah. hasn't liked even one of my stories. Yeah, she hasn't... She'd be like, hey. Something's not, amiss. Yeah. Something's amiss. Hey, husband, where's Connie? And he'd be like, how the fuck do I know? She's not been at work for three days. She she messaged us and she'd be like, something's wrong. No. Something's wrong. I don't believe it. I don't believe that this is true. I like that you work remotely and yet you've become friends with your remote <laughs> First couple times, the first couple times, like I talked to him, he, I would say things because it was like around the time Taylor Swift, like, you know, her tour was announced and everything. We were talking about like, getting Taylor Swift tickets and stuff. And he's, and I said something about true crime because I don't like go out and tell people like, oh, I have a podcast at work. Um, and so he was talking about true crime and I was like, oh, I love true crime. And he's like, oh, yeah, my wife really likes true crime, too. And then he's this was when the Amber Heard trial was going on. So it's like, oh, yeah, uh, you, she's all up. She all she does is watch this Johnny Depp trial right now. And I was like, oh, yeah, me, too. Well, then he told me that she like has an Instagram store where she sells stuff that she thrifts. And it's like the Northeast. So they get some good shit up there. Like I bought like free people, a dr- free people dress and like things like that, like stuff we just. Not that good thrift. Like, we don't get that kind of good thrift over here. But she's awesome. Like, and she's like really into true crime too. So, yeah, you can see, find her on my page. Go follow her, buy some stuff from her because she's awesome. She'd even pay me to say that. <laughs> That's, uh, it, it is weird. I, though. Love, I love the internet for stuff like that. Like, this mm-hmm. whole week, my husband and I have been like, let's get flip phones. Let's just go off grid, just fully over all internet related things at the moment. And, um, but then I hear stuff like that and I'm like, I could never. <laughs> no, it's just like cute little things. And like, I like the, I call her my work wife. Like she, I connected with her like on social media and stuff like that. And it really, especially if you work from home, you have to kind of build and like foster these relationships. Otherwise you're just lonely all the time. Lonely, quiet, bored. I mean, you have to work, but you mm-hmm. can still be bored at work. Like, I refer to his wife as my bestie, and I've never met this girl before. I'm like, how's our bestie doing today? Our bestie? Like, his wife is also his. And I'm like, she hasn't done any lives lately. Has she been thrifting? Is everybody okay? He's like, I can't with you guys. Like, I fucking hate you guys. You're right, though. We don't get that good good. We don't get that kind of thrift. We get, like, Mm -hmm. old lady thrift, which I also appreciate. Like, estate sale thrift. Mm -hmm. I cannot. I mean, been to like sometimes in downtown Indy, we get some like Zara and like some good stuff like that. But I watched a thrift haul on TikTok and they had like Lululemon, like uh, free people, like just a bunch. And it was just like stack after stack after stack of it. No, if I buy one of those, like I'm never getting rid of it. Like I already Mm -hmm. paid so much money for that, that that lives in my closet forever, even if I can no longer wear it. I'm like, Mm -hmm. one day I'll come back to you. Yep. (laughs) Yep. I, uh, apparently there is this small, it may not be small. I was told small, like small thrift store off the strip in Vegas. And we're going in May. And like, you could bet your ass, bet your ass. I am going to it. I'm going to get the things. I, if you remember a couple of years ago when everyone was Marie condoing their life and, you know, simplifying, getting rid of things, you know, decluttering, I got very into it. And I started 
looking at like all of my books on my bookshelf and I was like, you know, I am just kind of like keeping these as trophies of like, I read this and this is my trophy for reading it. So I went through and I got rid of like, I don't know, 60 to 75 percent of all of my books. And I regret it every single day. Like I just I (laughs) I remember when I was doing it at the time, I'm like, this is going to be such a good find for someone who really wanted to read this series and they find the whole series there. And that's going to be great for them. But now I look at my bookshelf and I'm like, I wish I still had that series. Do you buy them (laughs) back when you see them? Uh, Yeah, I have been. Like I did. I got rid of all of my Lemony Snicket books. And so that's the one I'm trying to recollect right now. Every time I find a Lemony Snicket series, I get it and add it back to the collection. Uh, But again, I was just like some some little kid or some kid's mom is going to be like, oh, this is great. This is just what they and it'll be like a birthday present or something. But I don't have it anymore. And it makes me sad. I do the same thing with Harry Potter books. Mm -hmm. Like I have all of them. And I still if I see one at Goodwill, it's like, I'm going to buy you. (laughs) I'm going to pick that one up. Yeah, it's just, you're like, you never know. You never know. What if I lose one? I did lose one. I lost the first one in one of my sets. And luckily, hey, I have a beautiful friend who runs a bookstore. And I was like, hey, does anybody have a spare copy of The Sorcerer's Stone? And she just messaged me. She's like, I got you. Sent me a brand new copy. So shiny. Fit right into my little book box. Yeah, it was the best. I, Uh, that. You know, you talk about petty exes and shit that they do. My beautiful friend Meg sent me the set of Harry Potter because of all of the fucking books from my divorce that just happened to disappear. They were my Harry Potter books. And so weird. So weird. Like, what? You can literally see Harry Potter books on your shelf. That's pretty much all that's back there. I was actually, like, actually I saw this back there and I have like well I have all my Christmas decorations in my office now um <laughs> but underneath in my door like where the doors are those are also all Harry Potter books the same ones some doubles I just I love to buy them and I I always think like I have three kids I'm gonna need three full sets and they bring you, know, you joy they bring me joy and now Marie Kondo's like my house isn't even clean I'm like yeah that's what happens when you have kids <laughs> you know what else I keep seeing I keep seeing, I don't know why it keeps popping up, but I keep seeing that girl who's like, I'm a traditional housewife and I love serving my husband. Have you seen this girl? No, I would vomit all over the place. She's so cute. And she's just talking about like how it's her job to take care of the house and to take care of her husband. And she keeps the house clean and she makes sure there's a meal on the table. And I'm like, babe, you don't have any kids. Like... It's just you and him right now. Like, yeah, that sounds like a pretty good life. I would love to be a housewife. Yeah, I would be. With no kids. I that sounds great. I want to be a stay-at-home wife. I don't want to be a stay-at-home mom. Because I, my daughter goes to preschool half days, Tuesday through Friday. And I work from home, so she's home with me too. And, like, I'm off on Monday, so, like, it works out great. We get, like, a lot of time together. But it's, like, lawless. I. I can't do it. I give the most props to moms who stay at home because it makes me want to sell all of my kids on eBay. It's literally why I went back to school because I was like, I can be a stay at home mom with my two children. And I started and I was like, nope, I do not want to do this. I got to go do something else. (laughs) I follow an account on Instagram that is the wife is the breadwinner. He's like a stay at home husband. And he's like, ah, 
it's like Hunter and Maya or something like that. But he's always talking about like, this is how I'm fighting the patriarchy today. And he's talking about like <laughs> making his wife coffee and like cleaning her car. And he does the cooking and he does the cleaning. And I'm like, that's the content I need to see. Like, that's... <laughs> I, again, I would love to be a stay at home spouse. That's not the hard part. Like, good for you, sis, for going out and you know, she's like, he works hard for the money and he provides and that's his job. And my job is to take care of this. And I'm like, I feel like things are going to change for you eventually. <laughs> oh, my God. I, if it was... I hope they don't. I hope that you enjoy you know, this see, lifestyle. I see moms like that who are like St. Karen. She's a stay at home mom now. And she is fucking rocking it. Like she does all the things. She's like she had a calendar and like a like a planner for the day like this time we're doing this and this time we're doing that and she's still like painting and getting projects done and it's like I if my kids sneeze wrong I throw up my hands I'm like that's it we can't do anything the day's done day just got away from me I don't know like there's no extra projects <laughs> going on still around in here pajamas. it's I if you are a stay-at-home mom and you're doing the thing, good for you. That's... Or a stay-at-home dad. Cause or that's... A stay-at-home... Yeah, I got one of those at home. That's what my, my husband's a stay-at-home dad. And he's pretty good at it, honestly. But uh, I'm not. I'm terrible at it. Because I'm. if I see like the house is a mess, I'm like, let's leave. Let's go do something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> let's not be it. Instead of let's clean this mess up. I'm like, we should go to the park. We should go out of this space so that I don't have to look at it. My my husband got medically retired the week the world shut down. And so he got medically retired on like a Wednesday. They closed the schools on Friday, but I was considered essential. So I went into the office still. And so he was stay at home dad for, I mean, he just started working last year, like this last summer. And he says that him staying at home with the kids and then specifically him staying at home with just our daughter is harder than him getting up and going to work every day. It absolutely is. One million percent. You don't don't get a break. You don't get like a chance to breathe. And on top of not only do you not get a break, but you're also constantly doing things on top of parenting. Like parenting is one job and you also have like your entire house. Anything like, you know, the stuff that comes with a life, (laughs) every part of the life that you need to be home to do or like going and picking up your other kids or any of that stuff. Mm -hmm. Those are all separate jobs. That's why I love working from home because I still get to like be present in that sense. Like if the kids are sick, they can just stay at home with me. If the you know, I just don't know how I mean, daycare is at the all time high cost of like what it has forever been uh, my sister-in-law is looking to move to our town and daycare is like 250 a week yep and that's I'm like, cheap honestly yeah that's yeah I used to pay I think when my son was in and this was 2017 I was paying almost 300 dollars a week for him to go and he was in like a preschool type of thing yeah that's why we opted to not do it I was like it I will just not work like it will be cheaper for us if I just don't work. And yes, yep. you lose like those skills and that stuff, but it's also <laughs> someone has to take care of my kids. Mm-hmm. And I would prefer it be me if it's gonna we're gonna be in the same situation anyways. And then the kids get sick all the time at school. They're at sick and then they can't go or like they shut down and they can't go. It's just woof. Honestly, it is hard to have kids in this world in general. So, oh, yeah, shout out to sure. us. We're doing the damn thing. 
<laughs> for Doing going with the thing. going with the punches just day in and day out. I like to thank me. <laughs> I like to thank me for having no days off. Like hey, me for doing all this hard work. I like to thank me for getting three to seven hours of sleep on a good night. Oh, I, that's the one thing I thank God every day for, that my last baby is a freaking sleeper like her dad. That is that is my saving grace. I always say that it's because my oldest was, I love this kid. And if you met my oldest, you would be like, he is the pinnacle of 12-year-old that you want. He's a yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. Like, he'll do anything you ask. But he was the worst fucking kid I'd ever been around. <laughs> he didn't sleep through the night till he was like four he was like the definition of unhinged, feral to a T. Like I remember I can't believe that you chose to have more kids after having him. Oh my God. I'm surprised that I did, to be honest. <laughs> like well, and then my middle son was great. Like he was just like your average kid. Like, no, you know, he was he's fine. He's still my the sweetest. My daughter's a mix of both of them, but she is still like I could be like, hey, no, we're not doing that. And she'd like you could reason with her, but there was no reasoning with my oldest. He was such a tornado. There was one night I went out to dinner with my friends and it was when um, I was stationed in the same place that uh, Karen's husband was. And I picked him up and Karen is the baby whisperer, like the epitome of you just give a baby to her and they just love her. They were both crying, like sobbing. And she just like kind of handed him to me. Get him away from me. Get him No, I... But now look at him. He's the sweetest. Yeah. My first one was good and she tricked me into having a second one because she was like, you know, I was like, I'm a good parent. Look at how good my baby is. No. Look how good I I'm do. Not a good... <laughs> it wasn't me. It was her. And now I've got the tiny banshee. She's, <laughs> She's my favorite kid, though. She is her eating like Kool-Aid <laughs> or whatever she was eating what was it's she eating? always something she's gross <laughs> I love it it's funny because our daughters are born so close and they're they could not be more different much like their mothers though much yes yeah, it's true <laughs> <laughs> they'll have things they'll have things that are common they're gonna well I think like because your daughter is like a protector like she is will knock someone out and my daughter needs that it's <laughs> like Someone protect me. I need that. That's... They're going to get into some shit when they're older, though. Trust me, she's being well-trained to be the protector or the doer by her older sister. She's like, can you uh, can can you go do this for me? Can you go check? I'm scared. And she'll just be like, yep, I got it. I'll, I'll look in there. Don't worry. I'm just like, I okay. love her. And that's how her voice sounds. She's very awesome. Just very matter of fact. Mm-hmm. She's she's like I'll handle it unless she's tired. Then she's me. Then she's like, <laughs> all kids are like that though. When I was sick, my daughter was rubbing my head and asking me, "Can I do anything? Do you need anything?" And I was like, "Oh, you sweet sweet girl, I need you to get the fuck away from me because you're <laughs> the one who got me sick." <laughs> I want you to go ask your dad for anything that comes into your mind, whatever That's you need. Do not ask me. Her and my middle son were playing and they were playing very cute, but it was starting to get rough because my old, my middle son likes to test it with her because they're not much different in size. So he likes to test it with her and they were getting a little rowdy. And I just like, I was laying in the chair and I just yelled, get out, get out of here. I don't care where you go and get out of this room. Overstimulated. Just and by I'm, noise. 
Like, just go. I'm sick. I want you to go. I want to lay here in misery and die by myself. I don't need a caring hand right now. I need you to get out of this living room. Right. Do you feel like you're on the up and up again? Yeah, uh, I'm dehydrated from as much as I vomited. So I have a little bit of a headache. But other than that, just like still sweaty and gross. Like I just feel like my husband walked by me last night and said, look, I'm gonna be honest, you smell like shit. I was like, put so much deodorant on like I just smell he's like, you are gross. He texts our neighbors and said, can you smell Connie from down there? No, he did not. He did. He did. <laughs> he did. Mean. Like, I've, been, I've been sick. I've been weak. Uh, I've never vomited that much in my entire life. And I have been drunk as hell many, many times. It was <laughs> not good. Let's hope that with spring in the next week and a half, because it's here. Spring mm-hmm. is here. Your illnesses. Yeah, we are actually getting a whole home. It's like a, it goes, what is it called? It's like it goes, um, it's like an air purifier, but it's the hospital grade kind. Mm -hmm. So we're getting one of those thrown through our house because. What do they do? I think it like uh, purifies the air. It helps like, uh, I don't know, Karen explained it to me and she sold me on it. So (laughs) invested. I'll take one. And then my, it's like a. Kind of like a HEPA filter, but it's like a whole, whole, like it goes through your HVAC unit. Nice. Sounds great. I wish I had HVAC in my house because I would get that too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but your house has character, so it works. Yeah. You have to trade. Care- do you want character or do you want to be cool that an even temperature all summer? You too. <laughs> yeah, but the demons in it probably keep the germs away. That's why we're always sick. <laughs> we exercise the ghosts in our house no we we were just talking about that recently how we hadn't had any incidents in the house in a long time any ghost incidents you better knock on wood i was like they uh, got bored with us they were like these people are still here all right they're fine whatever (laughs) i guess you could stay (laughs) we told them that they could stay in the house but they had to stay in the attic like you can stay but you got to be nice you have to be nice and you have to stay in the... Also, my husband's family's lived here for like 100 years, so they're all his family. So he was like, look, I'm cool. I'm one of you. Leave us alone. Leave us alone. On that note. Go tell we'll your see. ghosts that you guys are cool. Yeah, we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Gruesome Horrific True Crime, a Zencaster-powered podcast. Seriously, we wouldn't be here without them. Zencaster is simple to use and makes it easy to edit your own podcast. Zencaster gives you automatic, high-quality post-production sound, transcription, and HD video recordings of all of your episodes. If you want to start a podcast, and we think you should, click the link in the show notes or at our website and use the code GRUESOME with a capital G for 30% off your first three months. We love you, beautiful strangers, and if you love us too, here are some ways that you can support Gruesome. Please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcast or a five-star rating on Spotify. This helps other true crime connoisseurs find us. Follow us at Gruesome Podcast on Instagram or TikTok and talk to us on our posts. Join the Patreon. Sign up to join our True Crime Sticker of the Month Club and gain access to bonus episodes and exclusive Patreon perks. 
Or if a one-time donation is more your thing, we have a Venmo at Gruesome Podcast and a PayPal via our email, gruesomepodcast at gmail.com. Speaking of which, we love hearing from you. It seriously makes our whole life. So send us your questions, comments, suggestions, or just ask our opinion on whether that person you met on Tinder is a serial killer or not. Tune in next week and don't forget, lock your windows, lock your doors, and on Wednesdays, we're we are gruesome. gruesome. Bye. Bye. Bye.